Welcome to North Valley Church's Sermon Podcast. We are in a sermon series titled, When Heaven Comes Down. If you would like more information about North Valley Church or our sermon podcasts, you can find us on our website, nvcmd.org. Good morning again. What inspires you? Veggie straws. Veggie straws. Okay, you're easy. When heaven came down, it was inspiring. I wanted to start off today. I have a couple clips of a couple famous speeches. We're going to play a couple, we're going to play the first clip, I'm going to talk about it, then we'll play the second clip, I'll talk about it, and then the kids are going to start helping us um, with our service today. So uh, play clip number one, Terry. It's audio only, guys, audio only. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream. That one day, this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Thank you, Terry. The date was August 28th, 1963. Martin Luther King Jr., delivered the speech of what you just heard an excerpt of during the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. During this speech, King called for the end of racism in the United States and called for all people to be given equal opportunity. The speech was delivered to over 250,000 people and is often recognized as one of the most famous movements, moments of the entire civil rights movement. It was inspiring. It inspired people to act, and it is credited with putting pressure on the administration of then-President John F. Kennedy to advance the civil rights legislation in Congress. It was inspiring. Following the speech in 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. was named Time Magazine Man of the Year, and in 1964, he became the youngest person in history to ever win the Nobel Peace Prize. It was inspiring. 
1999, a panel of scholars ranked Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech as the number one top-ranked American speech of the entire 20th century. It was inspiring. I'm going to play one more clip from a different speech. Right, we hug, we kiss, we love. And, and when people say to me, how do you get through uh, life or, or each day, it's the same thing. To me, there are three things we all should do every day. We do this every day of our life. You're going to have, what a wonderful, number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time in thought. And number three is you should have your emotions moved to tears. Could be happiness or joy. But think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week, you're going to have something special. And so I can't help. I rode on the plane up today with Mike Krzyzewski, my, my good friend and a wonderful coach, but people don't realize he's a 10 times better person than he is a coach. And we know he's a great coach. He's meant a lot to me in these last five or six months of my battle. But when I look at Mike, I think we competed against each other as players. I coached against him for 15 years. And I always have to think about what's important in life is to think to me of three things, where you started, where you are, and where you're going to be. Those are the three things that I try and do every day. And you know, when I think about getting up and giving a speech, I can't help it. I have to remember the first speech I ever gave. I was coaching at Rutgers University. That was my first job. All I, oh, that's a, wonderful. And I was the freshman coach. That's when freshmen played on freshman team. And I was so fired up about my first job. I see Lou Holtz, Coach Holtz here. What was it like the first job you had, right? The very first time you stood in the locker room to give a pep talk. That's a special place, the locker room, for a coach to give a talk. So my idol as a coach was Vince Lombardi. And I read this book called Commitment to Excellence by Vince Lombardi. And in the book, Lombardi talked about the first time he spoke before his Green Bay Packer team in the locker room. They were perennial losers. And I'm reading this. And Lombardi said he was thinking, should it be a long talk, a short talk? But he wanted to be emotional. He said, be brief. And this is what he did. He, he, normally, you get in a locker room, I don't know, 25 minutes, a half hour before the team takes the field. You do your little X and O's, and then you give the great Newt Rockney talk. We all do. Speech number 84. You pull him right out. You get, you get ready. Get your squad ready. Well, this is the first one I ever gave. And I read this thing. Lombardi, what he said was, he didn't go in. He waited. His team was wondering, where is he? Where is this great coach? He's not there. Ten minutes. He's still not there. Three minutes before they have to take the field, Lombardi comes in, bangs the door open, and I think you all remember what great presence he had, right? Great presence. And he walked in, and he just walked back and forth like this, just walked, staring at the players. And he said, all eyes on me. And I'm reading this in this book, and I'm getting a picture of this Lombardi before the, his first game. And he said, gentlemen, we will be successful this year. You can focus on three things and three things only. Your family, your religion, and the Green Bay Packers. And he like that. And the rest of they knocked the wall down. Terry. The rest was history. I said, that's beautiful. I'm gonna Date was March 4th, 1993. Jim Valvano, former head coach of Rutgers and North Carolina State University, was awarded the inaugural Arthur Ashe Courage and Humanitarian Humanitarian Award Show at the very first ESPYs. Valvano, who won an NCAA basketball title as a coach at North Carolina State in 1983 and later was elected to the Naismith National Basketball Hall of Fame. 
The clip that you just heard was from his acceptance speech. And as part of this speech, he announced the creation of the Jimmy V Foundation for Cancer Research. I'm sorry. It is perhaps one of the most inspiring speeches I personally have ever witnessed. It was on TV, granted, but I did witness it. At the time of the speech, many people thought Vivano would not even make it to the event due to the progressive form of cancer that he had. He had to be helped to the podium from his seat by Dick Vitale and Mike Krzyzewski to even give the speech. His body was full of tumors, and he was very weak. It was inspiring. Valvano died from his cancer on April 28, 1993, less than two months after delivering his speech. He used that speech to launch the V Foundation for Cancer Research. And in the last 30 years since its launch, the organization has donated over $353 million to cancer research, and it has been, accredit and it has been credited with averting an estimated 3.8 million cancer deaths. It was inspiring. I need to give credit to YouTube for providing the clips that you just heard, and I want to encourage each of you to do your own internet search and listen to these speeches in their entirety, as they are truly inspiring. I am sure there have been people, speeches, or events that have inspired all of us, and that is what I would like to focus today's message on. It was inspiring. When heaven came down, it was inspiring. When heaven came down, a star appeared in the sky signifying the event, and it was enough to inspire magi to go on a journey in search of the king. Let's think about that for a moment. I'm going to ask Connor Lawal to come up. He's going to be uh, kicking us off reading um, a passage of Scripture. Think about the Magi. We're going to talk more deeply about them in one moment. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod Magi, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Thank you, Connor. As for Matthew chapter 2, the first two verses. The birth of Jesus inspired Magi to travel from the east by following a star in the sky. It's important to keep a few things in mind as we think about this event. We are told the Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. The Magi were from Persia. Persia is modern-day Iran, so I'll help you with some maps or some Google directions. The distance to travel from Tehran... 
I figured I'd use the capital of the country of Iran, to Bethlehem, as the crow flies, is about 971 miles. But to drive, it would take 1,222 miles and take nearly 31 hours. The Magi didn't have cars. The Magi had camels and their own two feet. That's pretty inspiring. I guarantee you I would not walk 1,000 miles. And I guarantee you I would not ride a camel for 1,000 miles. When heaven came down, it inspired the Magi to travel 1,000 miles, maybe a little more, to witness this event. When heaven came down, it was inspiring. The exact number of magi that made the journey, we really don't know. The idea of there being three stems from the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The magi were most likely magicians or astrologers, wise men from Persia that had knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures, going back to the time of David, as we are told in Daniel chapter 5, verse 11. Let's look at that word, saying. In verse 1, at the end of the verse 1. Not only did the Magi travel, they didn't know who they were looking for. They didn't know exactly where the baby was going to be. They were following a star. The word saying is an active verb. It means action. The Magi were traveling all around Jerusalem, all around the city, asking everyone they met where the baby was. Where can the king of the Jews be found? It inspired them to come to a strange town and seek out a baby. They might actually be the first group to actively share the gospel with strangers by looking for the king of the Jews, the baby Jesus. Can you imagine traveling a thousand miles to a foreign country and just start asking everybody you meet to help you find one specific child? I'm laughing a little bit. I remember, it's probably 15, 16 years ago, my family had the the honor to travel to Japan. And my sister and brother-in-law were stationed in Tokyo in the Navy. Well, they were stationed in Japan, but they were supposed to meet us in Tokyo to help get us around where we needed to be for the first five days. You fly 13 hours, there's two international airports in Tokyo. The train ride from one to the next is an hour long. You get off the train and you go find your hotel. I'm a man. I wasn't asking anybody for help. I was going to find that hotel. Kids are young, pulling their suitcases behind. I'm walking around the city of Tokyo trying to figure out where this hotel is. They said they got two airports in Tokyo. I couldn't find anything. I don't speak Japanese. Finally, y'all know my wife. She found somebody who spoke fluent English. He'd gone to college in the United States got off his bike and actually walked us for about 25 minutes to our hotel. The Magi came to a strange city. They know no one. They're not looking for a hotel that's got a big red sign on the top of it that says, I don't remember what the hotel was, but Holiday Inn. They're looking for a specific baby. Those of you who are parents, if strange men came up looking for your baby, would you even tell them it was your baby? It inspired the Magi to ask everyone where the king of the Jews was. 
Now let's talk about the star. There are people that like to refute the story of the birth of Jesus, and they'll try to point out that this bright star was probably just a supernova or maybe a junction of planets. Maybe it was an eclipse. Can't be possible, however. The star that guided the Magi from the east moved, and then it settled over the one place that gives further evidence that the star was a supernatural occurrence inspired by God. It was inspiring. Ellis is going to come read our next passage of Scripture for us. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Thank you, Alice. Thank you. That was same chapter of Matthew 2, verses 9 through 11. Once again, let's look at verse 9. It informs us that they followed the star until it stood over the place where the child was. Once again, providing evidence that it's not a comet, it's not an eclipse, it stayed in one spot, guiding them to where the child was. I love verse 10. Verse 10 says, They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They were inspired to travel 1,200 miles. They ran around the city trying to find one specific baby and talking to a bunch of strangers. They get there, and the first thing they do is not just rejoice exceedingly, rejoice exceedingly with great joy. If my dolphins win today, I'm going to rejoice. <laughs> I don't know how to rejoice exceedingly with great joy, but I have a feeling when I get to heaven, I'm going to know exactly what that means. In other words, these magi were inspired by what they witnessed. They were inspired to rejoice. They were then inspired to fall on the ground and worship Jesus. Then they were inspired to present Jesus with their gifts. In these verses, we now know that Mary and Joseph were situated in a house, and they were no longer in a stable. And some theologians and scholars believe Jesus may have been as old as two years old at the time of this visit would make sense with the distance the Magi had to travel to get there. The Old Testament books of Psalms and Song of Solomon suggested these three gifts were worthy of a king. Each gift has a symbolic meaning. Gold means royalty. Frankincense means worship. Myrrh it means anointing for, for, it was used to anoint for burial. The Magi were inspired to bring gifts. Much like the Magi presented their gifts to Jesus, we have gifts today. Each of us have different gifts we can use to glorify God. Some may have a gift of playing a sport like baseball or basketball. Some may have the gift of dance. Some may have the gift of prayer. Our North Valley Church kids are going to share some of their gifts now. We're going to start 
with two young ladies who are going to share their gift of dance. I need to give a shout out to Bloom Dance Studio where Jenny and Tenley danced. That dance was choreographed. We have some other um, of our church members um, who danced there. And I personally have attended one of their um, recitals. It's a Christian themed dance studio. Got to give them a shout out. Got to give them a plug because they choreographed that for you uh, today. So our North Valley kids have been working on gifts to share also. You see hanging up behind me some sheets of paper. And as the kids get ready to come up and present a song for you, I'm gonna tell you about these sheets of paper. Each sheet of paper asks the kid what their gift or talent was, what their inspiration was, and how they will glorify God with their gift. I'm gonna shout out a couple for you. I was truly amazed when I read these. Violet Kayer likes to paint. When asked what her inspiration was, she says, I just thought about it. <laughs> when asked how she will use her gift to glorify God, she said, love. Mackenzie Maxey says, soccer, drawing, reading, her inspiration was guitar, and she is going to um, glorify God and use her gift to pray. We have um, Connor Lawall, baseball and basketball is his gift. And he says his inspiration was he just enjoys them and he glorifies God by being a good sport. Reagan, who also attends um, Bloom Dance Studio, ballet and art. She was inspired by a TV show about ballet and art and she's going to do it forever and dance forever and give God all the credit. <laughs> Let me give you a couple more examples. And then the kids will come up. Agnes. Now, Agnes is three, you guys. Her gift or talent is coloring, and she's going to draw for her friends. Three years old. Thomas. He likes uh, football. And his mom inspired him, and he's going to glorify God playing football and praying. Jackie likes to give other people gifts, and so she's going to give gifts to others to glorify God. All right, children, come on up. Let's get ready to do your song. As they come up to perform for you, I want to encourage you to think about being inspired to use your gifts to glorify God. Thank you, North Valley kids. A couple of them are going to stay up here with me. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up to get ready to close. But I want to ask you a question. Are you inspired? Our North Valley kids were inspired to share their gifts for God. Are you? 
I think Billy Graham perhaps said it best, and I'm going to leave you with one of his favorite Christmas quotes. Don't leave Jesus in the manger. Don't remember him only at Christmas. Indeed, learn to walk with him every day as you pray and read his word and ask him to help you. Go tell it on the mountain, because when heaven came down, it was inspiring. Join us in prayer, please. Dear Jesus, I hope that everybody uses their gifts for good and help people every day to make sure they're all safe and that we all have happiness in us and are being good in, in ourselves. Amen. Amen. Thank you.